We are going to be bouncing around in a lot of different places in Scripture here today. You may simply uh, listen. You can watch the screen. You can turn with us in your Bibles. Or if you have the Bible on your phone, feel free to be turning around on there as well. As we're going through here today, there is a very popular verse in the Bible. It's often quoted, text of many different sermons that, that come out. But the common understanding of it never sat well with me. We're going to take a look at that here today because it fits in with what we're looking at. Last couple of weeks, we've been looking at qualities of maturity. And last week, in, last two weeks in particular, we're looking at the quality of being calm. That when the, you grow in the maturity of the things of the Word, there's a calmness that's on you because of that trust that you have with God. In calmness, we will continue the work of God, but if we get into panic and terror, we will do the work of the enemy. No reason for us to be doing that. Now this week we're going to take a look at the quality of peace. Now there's a difference in how we're looking at peace and how we're looking at calm. Calm is what's going on on the inside of you. Peace is what you bring with you and share with others. We're going to take a look at this uh, idea of peace in the Word of God. 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 10. Whoever desires to love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. If you look at the text of this and what he is saying here in Peter, peace is sought. You must find it. You must seek it. You have to pursue it. Peace does not just come upon you. It is something that you seek after. And we'll see this in a number of places in Scripture. But in this particular verse, in all that it's talking about here in these, these uh, two verses, peace is sought and it is disrupted mostly by the words that we speak. Peace is something that we seek after and it is disrupted mostly by the words that we speak. You'll be able to identify with this, but look here in the verse, whoever desires to love life and see good days, how many like want to love life? Don't raise your hand on this, but have you ever been in a spot where you just don't love life? You're just kind of going through the motions? Whoever desires to love life and see good days. Anybody like bad days here? No, we like good days. And a good day are, th are days that are filled with good things. Peace, joy, happiness. Those are good days. Bad days don't have those. So whoever desires to love life and see good days, I imagine that qualifies all of us. We desire to... To love life and to see good days, let him keep his tongue, his what? Tongue. His tongue from evil. Didn't say your way, did it? Said your let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Then it says, let him turn from evil and do good. The first thing he mentions here is, if you want to have that state of peace, is the words of your mouth. Your tongue and your lips. 
Let him keep his tongue from evil. That is something that you can do. Let him or her, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. Now, if you don't keep your tongue and your lips from speaking deceit, you're going to have a hard time moving away from it. And if you don't move away from evil and, and, uh, and the, the, the bad stuff and pursue the booth, good things, you are not going to be seeking peace. You will be finding something else. So peace is, is sought or disrupted mostly by the words that we speak, secondly, by the things that we do. Now think of it this way. If you ever had a, a family gathering, you know who's present at family gatherings? Family. Can anyone disrupt the peace in your life more than family. I mean, they can bring peace and they can disrupt it. Sometimes we may even not desire family functions because of the multitude of family members that are there. Oh, so-and-so is going to be there. Oh, you know when they're there. And how do they disrupt things when the family is present. First and foremost, by the words that they speak. Isn't that true? I mean, when you get all the family together, isn't it first and foremost, the things that they say is what disrupts the peace? Secondly, the things they do. This is the Bible just telling you that's how it is. Now, in Psalms chapter 34, it said, turn away from evil and do good, seek peace and pursue it. Again, we're exhorted to seek peace and pursue it. But you've got to turn away from evil and do good. You've got to get away from the bad talk. You've got to get away from the bad actions. Go after the good. And then it says, seek peace and pursue it. There's effort for this on your part. Don't just sit back there and say, oh, God, give me peace in my life. Have you ever made that prayer? Oh, God, I just need more peace. Just give me more peace. I need peace. God, I want peace. No, you pursue it. You go after it. You have to go out there and to, and to do the thing. Now, in Proverbs 16, 7, turn over there if you would. Proverbs 16 and verse 7, it says, When a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. How many of you have some enemies? Anybody here got enemies? Not a soul. All right, one person has enemies. For the rest of us, we'll have to just imagine it. But it says here, when a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. Now, this is the verse I was telling you about. I have a problem with how I read this verse. Now, I went out and read a, a couple of other translations. How many of y'all know my feelings on the NIV? I won't bother stating them again here, but I'm going to read to you. I'm going to do something that I hardly ever do. I told Daryl, if you can get it, you can pull it up there, but apparently I deleted it from the computer. <clears throat> I think it was there. I'm just not a fan. They came out with a new one. I'm less of a fan. But here's what the NIV said. When the Lord takes pleasure in anyone's way, he causes their enemies to make peace with them. So that's basically the new King James on steroids. We just amped it up. Here's my problem I got with this. 
Will God make someone get saved? He will not. Will God make people do things they don't want to do? No, we have what's called a free will. Now, if God won't make us get saved, how can he make your enemies be at peace with you? How can he do it? Now, if you read the King James, if you read the New King James, if you read the NIV, if you read the Amplified, and I can go on, there's a whole mess of translations. Every single one of them translates it right along this line. But that bothers me. Now, I'm not a Hebrew scholar. I love Greek. I do not love Hebrew. Hebrew is actually below English for me. I just don't understand Hebrew. I don't, I don't like the language. I love Greek. But English, you know, it's kind of in the middle there. But I had to break out all I could do on, on Hebrew to try and figure this thing out. Because this verse does not read the way the rest of the Bible reads. So why does this verse read this way? The rest of the Bible doesn't put it this way. Now, if you go through different translations, and I went through a whole lot of translations, you will notice that that word he there, you see how it's capitalized? Not every translation capitalizes it. Now, in the Greek, such a beautiful language. In the Greek, I could look that word up and tell you exactly what word that word's referring to. But in the Hebrew, not so much. In the English, you can't do it either. But in the Greek, you can. But he is lowercase in some translations and uppercase in others. Now, you know from your Bible, if a word like he or you is, is capitalized, what's it mean? It's referring to God. If it's lowercase, it's referring to us. So when you see a whole mess of verses of Scripture, and some of them have it uppercase, and some of them have it lowercase, it means they don't know. Here's the way I read this, this verse. And just, just from the, the King James, I'll read it to you the way that I read this. I don't have to change a word in the New King James translation for you to read this the way that I read it. When a man's ways please the Lord, he, the man, makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. Not when a man's ways please the Lord, the Lord makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. For me, the he refers to the man. Now, I am not alone in that. I did find two, trans two, two translations. Of all the ones that I looked at, I found two. And I looked at a lot. <laughs> Most of them go that, that way. But apparently there is no, nothing in the Hebrew that causes it to be translated that way. Here's what the New Living Translation says. When people's lives please the Lord, even their enemies are at peace with them. Hmm. The New Century Version. I like the New Century Version. I use it quite often. When people live so that they please the Lord, even their enemies will make peace with them. Now, is it easier for you to believe that if your ways please the Lord, that God makes your enemies at peace with them even though God can't change their will? Or is it easier for you to believe that if you do things God's way, and if you go about things God's way, that even those people who want to be your enemies will find 
it beneficial for them to be at peace. Now, most people, especially unsaved people, they're selfish. Christians can be selfish too. Don't think just because you got born again, selfishness just fell off of you. There's a whole mess of selfish Christians out there. And we've uh, gotten into Paul before. Paul said, there is no one except Timothy who thinks like me, who is selfless. No one. Now look at the people that he was brushing shoulders with. Barnabas, Peter, John, James, Silas, Titus. He's got quite a few people around him, and he says, no one but Timothy is like-minded like me. Everyone else had a little bit of self-interest involved there. If you've got people in the world who are motivated by self-interest, and it benefits them to be good to you, what do you think they're going to do? They're going to probably be good to you. They may not like you. They may not want to hang out with you. But if you can help them make money, if you can help them accomplish what they want to accomplish, well, they're going to be at peace with you. It does, that verse does not say he will make them like you or that you will make them like you. It just says there'll be a peace. You can have peace and not necessarily like each other. Most of the time that we've had world wars or any kind of war conflict that is going on, afterwards we have what's called a peace treaty. There's a signing of the peace treaty. At the peace treaty, does everybody like each other? No. no. But there's peace. You can have peace with your enemies and they not like you. That's really what's, what this verse is getting at. Now I say all that for, for this reason. When a man's ways please the Lord, if you were going to please the Lord... If you're going to have a way that is pleasing to the Lord, you've got to know what the Word says. Not what you think it says. Not what you would like it to say. You've got to know what the Word of God says. Because if you live up to what you think the Word of God says, and it's not what God says, you're not doing what He wants. Just like if you have a boss, and you think you know what the boss wants you to do, and you do that, but that's not what the boss said. The boss is going to come back in and he's going to say, I didn't say do it that way. I said do it this way. I said we want it to go in, in, in this way. And, you know, when we were, when we were making pizzas, uh, <clears throat> if you've worked for a big chain pizza place like I did, uh, big chain pizza places, they have recipes for things and they have methods for doing things all designed to cut costs or keep costs at a certain, certain level. And so when you're on the make table, I like being on the make table. I mostly like to be on the ovens, but I could be on the make table every once in a while. When you're on the make table, you would put the ingredients on the pizza. You would put the, you know, the cheese on the pizza. Actually, the cheeser was actually a lower level employee because it doesn't, it's not hard to put cheese on a pizza. You just sprinkle the cheese. That's all you got to do. But the ingredients, these were different. Ingredients, you had to, had to put them on a certain way. And so the hardest thing to do was to get the employees to do it the way they wanted it done, which was they wanted everything weighed out. So they want four ounces of pepperoni, or they want five ounces of ham, or, dear Lord, some people would actually order this, mushrooms. (laughs) 
I had a young kid, well, I think I've told you this story, young kid, I, I still remember him, 40-some years ago, still remember this young kid, young kid, barely a teenager, came in and ordered of his own volition a green pepper and onion pizza. That is gross and disgusting on so many levels for me. And he was excited to get it. Oh. This is a boy. This is, this, this is a teenage boy. I, I don't understand. Something wasn't right there. Maybe we should have checked out the home. I'm not sure what was going on. Oh, I still remember that. But anyway, they want you to weigh these things out. Now, when you get busy, what do you think the first thing is to go? Weighing them out. No, we kind of, uh, well, that's about four ounces right there. <laughs> we start chucking them on there. Now, the problem comes in when you do that is that the, the cost on the food varies. And generally, it goes up because generally you're more generous with it than, than not. But I remember, to this day, I remember that the area general manager coming in and, and schooling all of us on this. He says, look, this is not just a cost thing. This is actually a taste thing. And so you do it yourselves. When you make your own pizza, you go ahead and you be generous and you, you flood it with all those ingredients. Or do it the way we tell you to do it. And you tell me which way tastes better. I did it that way. I followed, I made a pizza and weighed out everything and put it on and then did, did one just kind of scattered them on. Doggone it, they were right. That actually tasted better. Because they said, we've, they said, we've been in the kitchen, we've tested these things, this is what we want done. So if you go on out there, and you just wanted to freehand the pizza because you're trying to make the pizzas fast. You are not doing the will of the corporation, uh, the higher the, the people that be. Because whatever, whoever got a pizza didn't get one tasting quite the way they wanted it to be tasted. And maybe they don't come back. Just because you think this is the way they want it, just because you think doesn't mean that's the way that it is. You've got to find out, God, how do you want this thing to go on? Because if you're not, you're going to be out of sync. Now, sometimes you all may observe uh, that I'm back over there on the, on the soundboard in the beginning, and sometimes I have headphones on. And when I have the headphones on, what I'm listening for is the Facebook feed to make sure that everything tastes, uh, sounds good for the people that are at home listening and who just can't get out. And uh, there's a problem when I'm doing that. And I have to... Um, you know, when you, when you hear the music, I don't know about you, you hear the music, you want to start singing, you want to start going along. And, uh, you know, like to this morning, Ethel got up, or Keith gets up, and they start doing the confession, and I want to confess right along with them. And the problem is, is sometimes I have the headphones on. And if I start singing with the headphones on, I'm uh, five seconds behind y'all. <laughs> but I can't tell, because <laughs> I got the headphones on. And all I'm hearing is, is what's coming in on the Facebook feed, and I sometimes call my, oh, I'm singing. Stop that. <laughs> Can't be sick. Sometimes I'm confessing, and I'm like two, two uh, phrases back on you. And it, it can sound funny. So if you ever hear me be, being behind you, I left the headphones on. <laughs> but you see, you're out of sync. And sometimes this is what we do with the Word of God. I've got an understanding on what the Scripture says, but it's wrong. And when I'm operating, I'm out of sync. And I, it doesn't sound right. Get in sync with the Word. Find out what does God say. You may look at that verse and say, well, it's not, not really that much of a difference. To me, it's huge. Is God supposed to do this or am I? See, if I have the wrong understanding on that verse, it's going to mess with my peace on the inside. 
Because I'm thinking, I'm doing what God says, but my enemies hate me. Hmm. How come God hasn't done this? Now I'm open for the devil to come in. He'll start telling me stuff like, well, your ways must not please God. You got to be start changing something. And I might be open to changing something that I'm actually doing right. Or I, get my, I may get mad at God because God's not holding up his end of the bargain. But you see, it's my understanding is off. I'm out of sync. God says, that's not what I said. Always divides the truth with the truth. Find out what the rest of the word said. So we need to be a person who seeks peace and pursues it. Now, you cannot make everybody be at peace with you. But you can strive after that peace. You can seek after that peace yourself. First thing we got to do is we got to seek peace. We got to find it. Proverbs 12 and 20 says, Deceit is in the heart of those who devise evil, but those who plan peace have joy. Deceit is in the heart of those who devise evil. Anybody know folks who devise evil? Yeah, just think of a co-worker, maybe not one you have now, but one you've had in the past, and they're just devising evil schemes. Evil schemes. Now see, most of the time that I was working when I was in high school and I was in college, I worked by myself. I worked in a pet shop. When I was there, the boss left. When he came back, I, it was time for me to go. If I was there, the boss didn't want to hang around. There's, it's either him or me. That's it. Nobody else in the store. He gave me a key. He said, lock it up when you're done. And so 16 years old, I'm going in and locking up this, the store, running the store, doing all that. But it's either him or it's me. We're not both in there at the same time. And then I went to college and I was the sound guy. Not a, I was on the, in the audiovisual department. I did a lot of sound for a, a lot of the, the work for a radio program for the then president of, my, of the college, uh, Dr. Cook. Anybody ever heard Dr. Robert A. Cook on the radio? Uh, Walk with the king today, be a blessing. Ever heard that phrase? That was his. And I used to get to hear that phrase 50 times a week because I would have to test out all of the reels that we were sending out to the radio station, dupe them, send them on out. And I would hear that phrase over and over and over and over and over, making sure that the, the tape is good. I had to hear the beginning, had to hear the end, make sure everything was all right, and then we'd, we'd send it on off. But I worked by myself. I didn't work with people until I was down in Tulsa. And then I started working with people. And I found out that people devise evil plans against each other. I didn't know that. I mean, they're there. This person's away. Well, we can get this person by doing this. I'm thinking, why, why are you wasting time doing it? I couldn't figure that out. Why in the world do you want to do that sort of stuff? Here they are, devising evil plans to get somebody. Uh, they left me alone. That's, that was okay with me. They, uh, they went after other folks. I don't know why, but it says deceit is in the heart of those who devise evil. There's deceit that's in there, and they devise evil. But those who plan peace have joy. Now, look at this word, plan peace. There are some people who don't plan for peace. They just hope it happens. But you can plan for it. You can, you can plan on having that peace. Those who plan peace have joy. If you're not out there, one of the ones that's planning uh, peace, if you're out there and you're planning uh, evil, devising all kinds of things that are bad, that's why you don't have joy. New Century Version puts this verse this way. Those who plan evil are full of lies, but those who plan peace are happy. <coughs> the New Living puts it this way. Deceit fills hearts that are plotting evil. Joy fills hearts that are planning peace. 
the NET puts it this way, deceit is in the heart of those who plot evil, but those who promote peace have joy. Deceit is in the heart of those who plot evil. Are you plotting evil or planning peace? If you plan or promote evil things, you will be a person of deceit. Deceit will be in you. That's all there. You, you can't be that way. You cannot go that direction without it. Now, God is not. He is the God of truth. The Holy Spirit is not. He leads us in all truth. And your newborn spirit is, is made to be of truth. Not your old one, your new one. Your new, new created, reborn spirit is made to be of truth. You would be going against your new nature. Christians who do not plan peace go against their new nature. They develop conflict. This is one way Christians stay undeveloped in their spiritual walk. That's not the only way. But this is one way that Christians stay undeveloped in their spiritual walk. Immature in their ways and understanding. Undeveloped, immature, and third, lack the joy promised them. This is not the only way. This is one way Christians stay undeveloped in their spiritual walk, immature in their ways and understanding, and lack the joy promised them. 1 Peter 3.10 is read it again. For who, whoever desires to love life and see good days, that's all of us, right? Let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. If you want to have good days, if you want to love life, if you want to wake up in the morning and say, oh, I can't wait for this day to get going. Be a person of peace. Be a person who seeks it. Be a person who pursues it. But because people who seek peace enjoy life a whole lot more. The Word of God says that you love life. And you have more good days with more good things in those days. Psalm 119, 165 says, Great peace have those who love your law. Nothing can make them stumble. Great peace is for those who what? Love your law. If you love the law, you're going to read it, you're going to study it, you're going to understand it, you're going to do it. Great peace those people have. Nothing can make them stumble. Romans 8, 6, For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. Don't go that way. Don't go the way of death. Go the, set your mind on the things of the spirit. Philippians 4, 9, what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things. In other words, do them. And the God of peace will be with you. Now, if you don't have peace, we can't go on to the next step. We can't go on to the next part unless you have peace. I've got to have peace on the inside of me. How many of you are going to get some, some lunch afterwards? Anybody going to have lunch after church? Now, if you plan on going to the restaurant, what do you have to have? Money. You have to have money. money. If you don't have money, you're not going to any restaurant. And you can have money in a plastic card, but you still got to have money. You've got to have some way to pay for it. If you don't have it, then you can't exchange anything with it. Whatever you don't have, you can't give away. Remember Peter and, and John at the beautiful gate? Silver and gold I do not have. Doesn't mean he was poor. It just means right now I don't have any. You've been out there, haven't you? 
I have money, just not with me. And they don't even have credit cards. All they have is what's in their pocket. So he apparently was going out and he just didn't bring any money with him. You know, John, you got, did you bring any money? I left my wallet at home. I said, I don't have any money. So when they come to him, they're not saying we're poor. They're simply saying, I don't have it right now. Silver and gold, I don't have. But what I do have, you got to have it. What I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And immediately he rose up while Peter reached down and grabbed him by the hand. And he leaped up, walking, leaping, and praising God. Glory to God. John 14, verse 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled. Neither let them be afraid. Peace I leave with you. My peace, in other words, he's got it. I've got peace. My peace I give to you. You cannot give other people peace unless you have it. If you wonder why certain relatives, y'all who knew they are, if you wonder why certain relatives who come out to your family functions are always leaving people unrest, upset, it's because that's what they have. That's what they have. I think I told you this story before, but I, I still remember this, this story. I was going through a drive-thru at the bank, and we used to have this one teller at the, the bank. Um, she was outstanding. She just was always in a good mood, just always chipper, and just, uh, you know, just for the five minutes you were interacting with this person, she, was, she, she made it nice. And so I would come on through. My mom would go through. She, we, we would uh, go through the same bank. And she would talk to me. Oh, yeah. I, I don't even remember what her name was right now. But, uh, uh, oh, yeah, I know her. And we would, we would talk about her. Oh, she's so uh, pleasant and, and nice. And one time I came on through, and she was not pleasant. She was not nice. She was down. And it was so remarkably dis- dis- different. I said, what's wrong? Oh, the customer who was here before you, he just was so obnoxious. No matter what I did, I couldn't, couldn't help him. And it just, it just, you know, he left something with her, and it wasn't peace. It was, he, she was, he was very upsetting. And so uh, these words came out of me, and I'm sitting there. Not something I thought about before, it just kind of came out of me. It was there, it says, well, uh, don't you worry about it. You only have to deal with him five minutes a week. He has to live with himself. Her smile came back. She just got excited. She says, oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> and, then, and then she went on. Well, she got a, a, a job someplace else or the, moved up in the company, something like that, so we didn't see her anymore. But I'm sure that she's uh, spreading that same smile to whoever. And no matter what was going on, I remember one time she had a situation going on. Her and her husband were trying to deal with something in their house. Uh, they had raccoons in the house, and they could hear them in the walls and Oh, that was, that was tough. So every couple of times I'm going by, we were talking about the raccoons. How are the raccoons doing? How are things going? Oh, I think they're making, I think they're having babies. <laughs> oh, I remember her talking about those raccoons. That was, uh, that was something. But still, through all that, she was pleasant. She was happy. She had peace. That person came by and gave her, gave her something different. Don't let people come on by and, and, and leave those things off. But... As Jesus said here, peace I leave with you. When you are with people, you ought to be looking for ways to leave them some of your peace. You have peace, you ought to be looking for ways to give them peace. Pass that on to them. 
That's something that you can be looking for. 2 Thessalonians 3.16. Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times in every way. The Lord be with you all. He is the Lord of peace. Give you peace. So Jesus came with peace and he gave it. When you have peace, you ought to be looking for how to give it away and give it to other people. I mean, people that don't have peace, that have turmoil, they're looking to give that away, aren't they? I think about this. How many, raise your hand on this one. I'm going to say, how many people have folks in your life that every time you see them, it's turmoil? Every time you see them, I mean, they just, they just wrestle with you. You're, just, you're feeling agitated on the inside. They left you with some turmoil, not the peace. How did they do it? Number one way that they did it, what they said. What they said. They said words. They spoke words. I mean, people can leave you with things other than peace on the phone because words come over the phone. Sometimes you hang up that phone and you're agitated. You're irritated. We, we miss this, this in this day, but do you remember some of you folks that um, have been around for a little while, do you remember when you used to be able to hang up the phone with authority? You can't do that anymore. Now it's it's just not the same thing. You know, I'm going to hang up on you hard. Just doesn't work. But boy, when you had that receiver and you had that phone down on there, I mean, bam. Some people could do that with you. They leave you that way. But the Lord, he gives you peace. That's because that's what he has. Work on putting peace on the inside of you. You'll leave it with people. Numbers 6, 24. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. The Lord's in the business of giving out peace. He's giving it out. Now, are you one who looks to give or take away? There are some people, they're coming around you because you got peace, and they're coming to take it. Matthew twelve forty three. This is not really about peace, but it is about rest. When an unclean spirit goes out of a man, he goes through dry places seeking rest and finds none. Then he says, I will return to my house from which I came. When he, this is talking about somebody who was possessed. And when he comes, he finds it empty, swept, and put in order. Well, this is speaking about somebody that the, the demon was cast out. He didn't go willingly, and when he was cast out, he couldn't find any place to go, so he came back to the house. Let's see if we can get back in there. Then he goes and takes with him seven other spirits more wicked than himself, and they enter and dwell there. And the last state of that man is worse than the first. So shall it be also with this wicked generation. Now, we could spend some time on this and have some fun with it. I, I enjoy the things that this thing was teaching, but here's what I want you to understand from here. Demon spirits take possession of people because the rest that is in them, they take upon themselves. Have you ever seen a demon-possessed person? This country, we don't really see it a whole lot. Uh, more so, but other countries, I hear ministers that have gone to other countries. Oh, my, the stuff that goes on in demon possession would scare you. The things that have had gone on. Now, once you know the authority and the power of the Word of God, it won't scare you anymore. But um, if, you, if you look at these things that are, that are going on, that person is not in peace. They are disrupted. You look at the ones in the Bible that are talked about. They're up all night. They're cutting themselves. They're, uh, 
they're being destructive because this turmoil is in them. This spirit has come down upon them. It's, take, it's, it's time to take their rest. Basically, it's taking their peace. And it's transferring their unrest that they have in themselves. Now, we can get into a whole lot of, the, of uh, why that is. If anyone's ever interested in that, let me know. Maybe we'll, we'll dig into it. But don't want to lose focus here on where we're going right now. Demon spirits look to take what others have. That's what demon spirits do. You've got some people in your life that are looking to take what you've got. They want to disrupt your peace. And now in Luke 10, verse 6, if a man of peace is there in the house, your peace will rest on him. But if not, it will return to you. Just because you have peace, just because you are willing to give peace, doesn't mean that everyone's going to take it. If they are not a man of peace, they won't receive it. That's all right, just go on. You can try and give peace to some of these folks. And some of them just won't take it. They're not a man of peace. They're not a person of peace. Romans 12, 8 says, If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Do you know people that it's impossible to get along with? It just seems like they come in with the purpose of disruption, of, of messing with you. They just come in with that purpose. Just understand, there are people out there like that. And all the Bible says is, as much as depends on you. Well, that doesn't depend on me. Well, then you're doing all that you can do. Just be at, at, at rest. Just be at ease. The enemy wants to try and get in and says, see that person in your life? It's always, you can't help them. You're not helping them. You're, you're a hindrance to them. You're, you're not very Christian to them. And they're going to try and put you in guilt because of what you're not doing for them. Or they'll make you... Uh, going out there and try and help them some more. Because the more you help them, the more you are drained from your peace. And the enemy loves that. Let me tell you what, if you run into a, a person and they are not a person of peace, and they're not receiving the peace that you have, don't feel the need to keep going over there. Help them out. They've got to become a person of peace. They've got to become someone who desires to leave their life of, of disruption. A person who is not seeking peace, a person who is seeking to disrupt what does the Bible say about them? We read it in, in several different places. They are a person of deceit. They are a person of deceit. What they tell you is probably not true. Don't listen to them. Listen to the Spirit of God on it. They don't want to receive your peace? That's all right. I'll find somebody else who wants it. Because I love giving away peace. Because you know there is no end to how much peace God has. Don't live like it's all on you. Don't live like there's nothing you can do. Don't live like whatever happens, happens. You go in there, you try and make a difference. They don't want to receive it? Well, you just go on. They don't want to receive it. God can't make them. Now, we're going to take a look at Philippians here because I want to give you an example on this. In Philippians chapter 4 and verse 10, But I rejoice in the Lord greatly, that now at last your care for me has flourished again, though you surely did care, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. Look at the state that you are in. You may be in a state of abundance. You may be in a state of lack. 
You may be in the state of having all your needs fulfilled, in the state of not. You may, have a, you may be in the state of having a job, you may be in the state of not having a job. You may be in a state of having an abundance of friends. You may be in a state of having no friends. And we can keep on going. It doesn't make any difference. Whatever state you are in. Now, he does not say, whatever state you're in, be content. He didn't say that, did he? What he says is this, and it's real important for you to see it. I have learned in whatever state I am, to be content. If all you are supposed to do is be content in whatever state you're in, you don't have to learn that. He learned how to be content in whatever state he was in. How you are content in a state of lack is probably different than how you are content in a state of abundance. But no matter what state he was in, he learned how to be content. We'll get into that word here, learn, in just a minute. I know how to be abased. I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things, I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now, what this tells you here is, don't raise your hand. Use your inside hand. If you have ever been on a diet, and you say, I'm cranky because I'm on a diet. That's wrong. You have not learned how to be content in a state of lack, in a state of hunger. You can learn it. Whatever state I am in, to be content. The word here, learn, we just uh, went over one of the derivatives of this word, so we're not going to spend a whole lot of time on it, just uh, not too long ago. But it's the Greek word, manthano. It means to learn. And it's similar to the word for a disciple. How does a disciple learn? Remember when we were talking about how a disciple learns not too long ago? To increase one's knowledge or to be increased in knowledge or to learn by inquiry or in observation. That's from Vines. If you want to look that up, you can find it yourself. To learn, to increase one's knowledge or be increased in knowledge, to learn by inquiry or observation. Basically, Whatever way you can learn this, you're going to observe people that are in certain states. What are they doing? How are they being this way? But you have a purpose to learn it. I have learned whatever state that I am in to be content. In 2 Timothy, I'm sorry, go to Matthew 9, 13 first. But go and learn. This is where this word is used. I'm pretty sure we used this before too when we looked at this word. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice, for I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Go and learn. Go and make an effort. Be intentional about finding out what this means. 2 Timothy 3.10. We're going to look at some of the things that Paul was in. But you have carefully followed my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, long, love, perseverance, persecutions, afflictions, which happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra, what persecutions I endured, and out of them all the Lord delivered me. Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution, but evil men and impostors will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But you must continue in all things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them. Now, just for 
uh, case in point, did Paul's ways please God? I, I'd say, of all the people in the New Testament, you're going to find somebody whose ways please God. Paul, now not initially, but you know, he got, got born again on the road to Damascus, and he pursued God in a way, and, and God gave him great revelation. Uh, can't even say it. <laughs> great revelations, understanding of the things, called him up into heaven and instructed him on these. I would say that's a man whose ways please the Lord. Did Paul have enemies who wanted to kill him? Did he have enemies who beat him? Sure did. So you see, if God, if a man's ways were going to please the Lord, and God was to be responsible for making his enemies at peace, God failed there. Didn't quite do it. That's not the, how it is. When your ways please the Lord, the people who would be enemies of you will end up going along with you. But those that are enemies of the word that is in you, the word of God has promised us, they will persecute you. So, understand the word from the word. Don't just think, well, they're an enemy, they want to do me harm, God's going to deliver me. How many people in the Bible were burned? How many people had their heads cut off? How many people had these things go on? Because God said persecution will come because of the word. But it, there's a whole lot of people in your life right now that are mad at you, don't like you for reasons other than the word of God. When a man's ways please the Lord, you will find that they will have a hard time staying your enemy. They still may not like you. That's all right. One more place to look here in 2 Corinthians 11.22. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? Paul's talking about the things he's been through. Are they the seed of Abraham? So am I. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more. In labors, more abundant. In stripes, above measure. In prisons, more frequent. More frequently. In deaths, often. From the Jews, five times I received 40 stripes. Minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. I could describe each one of these things to you, and uh, they are horrendous. The beating with rods is something you would never want to go through. It was incredibly painful, and it lasted for many, many days. Once I was stoned, three times I was shipwrecked, a night and a day I have been in the deep, in journeys often, perils of water, perils of robbers, perils of my own countrymen, perils of the Gentiles, perils of the city, and perils in the wilderness, and perils in the sea, and perils among false brethren, in weariness and toil, in sleepness, this often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness, besides the other thing what comes upon me daily, my deep concern for all the churches, who is weak, and am I not weak, who is made to stumble, and I not and, and I do not burn with indignation. Now he gives a more of a detailed list here than he did in the previous verse, but he had said God delivered him out of them all. How many of you feel delivered if you've been a night and a day floating around in the water? Anybody feel delivered? How many feel delivered when your ship went down? Anybody feel delivered? How many feel delivered when your own countrymen decide to persecute you, try and kill you? How many feel delivered when a beating came on you that you didn't deserve? How many feel delivered when you were weary and in toil, sleeplessness, hunger and thirst? 
But you see, he learned how to be content. Whatever state you are in, you have an opportunity to learn. Whatever state it may be, your state might be with certain people in your life that aggravate you. Your, your state may be certain uh, people at work that seem to be against you. Your state may be the funds aren't quite enough to meet the month. Your state may be that you're looking to replace something but don't have the money to do it just yet. Whatever state that you're in, you may be in a state of abundance, you may be in a state of lack. You get in a state of abundance and people are always coming knocking at your door. Hey, can you help me out with this? Hey, can you do this? No matter what state we're in, there are reasons why you can be unhappy. There are also reasons why you can be content. You've got to pursue and learn. The only way that you can learn how to be content is when you are in that situation. Whatever situation you are in right now, you can learn how to be content in that situation. If you have an abundance of friends, if you have a lack of friends, if you have an uh, abundance of good things going on in the job, a lack of good things going on in the job. If you have a great boss, a, a bad boss. If you a good car, bad car. Whatever state you are in, learn to be content. No matter what happens, no matter what changes, I'm going to be content. I'm going to be happy. It's a decision on your part. It's something that you learn to do. Most of the things that God tells us to do, we learn how to do them. I learn how not to think the worst of people. I learn how to develop trust in my God. I learn how to develop trust in others. I learn these things. So I wrote down here at the end, what are you learning? Now, first week we looked at this, we looked at steadfast. Steadfast, being steadfast is about not being pushed off where your stand is in the Word. Patience is about me not moving myself off, getting frustrated, getting tired on... I keep doing this. I'm not going to endure this anymore. I'm not going to stay with this anymore. Patience is about me not moving off because my emotions got the best of me. Calm is about not speaking words of running off. And peace is about what my spoken words are giving off. Peace is about what, your, what the words that you speak are giving off. Do your words give off peace? They give off strife. Think of some of the ways that you answer somebody. Did that give off peace or did that give off strife? Think of some of the ways that you talk with some of your coworkers. Does that give off peace? Does that give off strife? We've got to think about these, these things. How am I doing them? Peace is about what my spoken words are giving off. You can be walking around in the Walmart and all of a sudden somebody lets out some words to a child, to someone, uh, their uh, husband or wife in the store, and they're angry words, they're harsh words, and you can feel it. Even though you weren't involved in the conversation, you don't know what happened before, you, you heard the words. You can feel the unrest that is there, the turmoil that is in that situation. Now, you can walk away from it and be done with it. They stay in it. We can feel it. Your words are huge. When you are mature, walking in the kind of maturity that you're supposed to be walking in, your words don't just 
flow off of your tongue. You're not going to be talking about how the enemy is getting the upper hand and he's pushing you off because you're steadfast. You're not going to be speaking words about how your emotions are going crazy and how you just want to move and how you don't feel like it's right that you continue to endure all this stuff making your stand, but your patience won't let you do that. You're calm because you trust in God and are not speaking words about running off. Well, if this doesn't change, I'm getting out of here. Peace is about what my spoken words are giving off. What kind of atmosphere do your words give off? What kind of things do I say? I'm in charge of that. What are your words giving to those you speak to? And what will your words leave with them when you're gone? You've got to be thinking about that. The more mature you are, the more you walk in this. When you've got little kids, little kids and they're over there fighting with each other, and they're, uh, that's mine. No, that's mine. I mean, not a whole lot of peace going on there. They just speak whatever they want. But you notice a change when they start growing up and the, and the littler ones, they start speaking that way, but they just kind of step back. And they don't speak out the same words. What, what do you think about that child? Oh, they're growing up. They're maturing. This is what God looks down on, on us to. When he sees us not speaking out of all those emotions, but keeping our tongue. Hmm. I'm not going to not going to speak out like this. I'm not going to say these, these kind of things. It will help you greatly when you don't speak out of this to your kids, when you don't speak out like this to your spouse, when you don't speak out like this to your boss, when you don't speak out like this to your coworkers. When you have peace on the inside and you speak words from that peace, you don't go down the, the path of turmoil. Are the words you speak peace or turmoil? Are they words of correction or tearing down? Some people don't discern the difference anymore. Are they words of encouragement or flattery? Whatever good your words can leave with others, they can also have the opposite effect. Mature people control their words. They speak from their spirit, not their flesh. They listen to the inspiration of the Holy Spirit before they speak. They don't have to say anything. I'm sure no one here has ever said this, but have you ever heard people had a conversation? I just have to say this. No, you don't. No, you don't. You want to say it, but you don't have to. There's a lot of times things come up and it's that we want to say, but I check with God. Should I say that? See, I think right now from my perspective, I'm right, and I just want to blurt this thing out, but God is saying, that's not giving peace. Those are not words of my peace. You're not going to be passing on peace when you speak those words. People that are mature, they listen first to how their words will sound. They think about the effects those words will have. And they stay silent if being silent is best. Now, you can be silent and not say those things, but you remember in the verse we started off with? It talked about the words that you spoke, and then what was the second part? The actions, the things that you did. You all know you cannot say something, but your actions speak it. I didn't speak anything, but I let it be known. Uh huh. 
Don't be doing that. This is a mature person, one who continues to mature. The more you do these things, the more you will mature in the things of God. The more that you walk in these things and, and, and um, speak out of your flesh, say what you want to say, when you want to say it, how you want to say it, the more you don't think about the effects of what you say have, you are keeping yourself immature. I don't care if you've been a Christian 30 years, you can still be a very immature Christian if you do not do the things that will make you to be mature. The quality of peace is a very important quality of maturity. It was not first on our list because you have to have some other things going on before you ever get to this place where you are a person of peace. How many can think of there are certain people in your life that you know that you can't wait to get around them because every time you do, peace is transferred to you. Oh, I can't wait to get around that person. I can't wait to talk to that person about this thing because every time I talk to them about this, oh, I just feel better about it. I feel more peace at this because that person has learned how to walk in maturity and say the things that God has told them to say. And they're still growing. It's all right. That's what you need to, to get into. You want to be a person of peace. God is a God of peace, and he gives peace. You want to be described in the same way. You want to be a person of peace who gives peace. There's pe people, Christian people even, not just unsaved, Christian people who walk in less peace than the unsaved world. And every time you get around them, they transfer all that unrest or that turmoil right into your life. You can't wait to get away. So, what things are you learning? What are you learning? I showed you what Paul was learning. I've learned whatever state I'm in to be content. Don't ever tell God in a prayer, God, if you'll just change this, if you'll just add this, if I can just have this, I know I will be content. Brother Keith Moore was talking about some guy who, who bought this really expensive car, and I do not remember what kind of car it was. It was a really expensive car. Bought this car, has this car. And he says, what was the, what was the best thing about that car? What was the best time on something like that? What is the best thing about that car that you got? He goes, the best was the day before I got it. Because up until then, the day before you had it, everything about you're dreaming about that car, you're thinking about that car, you're envisioning that car, everything is great, and then you got it, and then it doesn't get any better. This is it. Then you got to fix it, and you got to do stuff with it, and stuff like that. He said the day before, it was so profound, the day before he got it. So excited. It's coming tomorrow. He was so anticipating all those things. Would you all stand up with me? If you get the peace of God down on the inside of you where you are walking in this peace on a regular basis, this peace is down, it, it governing you. There's lots of things we'll, we'll do. We have a, one more week to spend on this. I want to show you a whole other aspect of this that uh, we didn't get into today. If you can get this down on the inside of your life and walk in this peace, it will mature you you will understand things. You will understand people. You will understand your role to a greater level than you ever have. 
is the God of peace. If you ever wonder why, how can God look upon this earth and see all these things going on, not just wipe us out? It's because he is a God of peace. What we do doesn't cause him to be offset. He is established on where he is, where he's going, and what he's doing. What nonsense we get into doesn't change him, doesn't cause him to alter. The people that are in their lives sometimes get involved in some nonsense, sometimes speak some things that doesn't help us. Gets us a little unrest. Pretty soon I begin to think all my happiness is because of that one individual. But it's not. The God of peace is on the inside of you. He will put that peace with you. His idea is to give you his peace. His idea is to leave you with his peace. That's why we all crave his, his fellowship. That's why we crave the presence of God in our life. When his presence is with us. Wow, oh, we have that peace. He wants us to have that peace all the time. He wants us to not only have it and walk in it, but he wants it to be wherever we go. That peace is left wherever we go. People say, my day is so much better because so-and-so came into my life today. Because so-and-so passed by and just had some words to show. Wow. So glad that they came by today. I'm so glad for what they offered, for what they did. It can be that. Because the peace that people crave is the peace that comes from God. You have access to it. You can get it. You can get as much as you need. He never runs out. Watch how Jesus operated in his life with people who were just set on being unrested. Turmoil. Look at how he dealt with Look how people who were open to peace did they came down and they sat like Jesus. Oh, this is a good place. Might be in here. That's how it can be. When you walk in. We believe that light is greater than darkness. And God is greater than those that are against us. So when we walk into a room, why is it that darkness seems to rule? Most of the time, it's because we let their words dominate. It was, I forget who it was. It sounds like something that Jesse defined us to do. But he uh, was in an elevator with somebody who was just cussing God. Using the Lord's name and just cussing God. And so he just went off and said, Praise the Lord. Praise Jesus. Hallelujah. He just kept on going. The man says, What in the world are you doing? He says, well, if you're going to curse them, I'm going to bless them. I demand equal time. Now, see, that changed the atmosphere of that elevator. Because he didn't stay silent. When you are over with the people in your life that create havoc, 
be vocal. Speak out what God tells you. Speak out. Sometimes it's just time for you to put on praise. See, the people that are nuts in this world who do all this stuff and create such havoc, they know what they're doing. And they can control themselves. But they have no reason to. They want to disrupt your life. They want to pass on all that turmoil. But if they know, you know what, if we at dinner time start talking like this, they're going to get up and start praising God. I don't, I don't have time for that. I'm not going to talk that way. You have changed the atmosphere. Change it by your words. Secondly, you change it by your actions. You always want to be mindful. What am I leaving these people with? Leave them with the things of God. Would you bow your head today? Father God, we thank you. Your peace is all we need. Oh, it just it rules us from the inside. Thank you for that peace. If you're here today, you don't have that peace in your life, but you want to, you want to walk away from turmoil. Even if you've been a Christian following after God for a while, but that peace is not, has not been there. If you're not a Christian, you can change that too. That peace of God has not been in your life the way that you want it. Because you haven't been following God, haven't been following Him for a while. Or you are following them, but that's just not the way that it's not going that way for you. Raise your hand. We want to pray for you. God, Father, you see the hands that are raised. Thank you that as they have acknowledged before you, these things need to change. That you will bring about change that she would show them how to become content in all the things that they're in and all the things that they have. They will learn how to be content. That peace that comes from God that you have poured out in them will not be disrupted. Continue on. For those here, need to just grow in these things more. This week, point to them whatever it is that they're doing. See that? You've been looking at the, the lack you have. Now look, learn how to be content. Point these things out in our life where we need to learn how to be content. Because the discontentment we have is disrupting our peace disrupts our peace, we're not leaving peace with other people. We're leaving what's on the inside of us. And I thank you that you'll change. Give you the praise and the glory for it. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Glory to God. Thank you all for joining us here today. If you're up on Facebook tomorrow or if you are on a text list, if you're not on a text list and you prefer to be on a text list, just let me know on the way out take that care of that but we have a video teaching for you this one comes from jerry savell you won't see me post too many from jerry savell because most of jerry savell's messages have the same story he tells the same stories over and over and over and over he likes those stories and so he, he tells them a lot but i got one for you it doesn't he's not telling some of the same old stories and he tells a, a story about a singer that was actually on staff with him 
that I did not know until he told that story that this singer was on staff with him. And uh, you'll find out who that is when you go on, on through it. Just a lot of good things that he had, uh, a lot of good stories. That Jerry's a storyteller. He doesn't break down the word for you line by line. He's a storyteller. But uh, that's okay. This is going to be a good one for you. He talks about how just keep on sewing. And this one, he's going to be talking about how you, you can keep on sewing, keep doing those things. Sometimes it get discouraged. It's like it's not going to change. And he's got some great stories on how that has changed for him. Now, those stories are how God changed his life. He is, of course, in the in a public light. He's uh, on TV and people see him. Uh, so there are some avenues. But don't let God, don't let people say or don't let a voice come up on the inside of you and say, well, I don't have all that exposure. It can't happen for me that way. Well, it may not happen for you that way. It doesn't mean it can't happen for you. Don't, uh, don't go into that direction. Hope you enjoy it. It'll show up tomorrow at about 11 o'clock on the Facebook feed. Or if you are on the text message list, you'll get the thing there. As you listen to these, you enjoy them. I love hearing from you. What, uh, what kind of thing that you like. Have a great rest of the day. Bless some people that are around you before you go.